What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Bandwagon Nerds is taped in front of a live studio audience. Again, fellow basement dwellers, this is your good friend Patrick O'Dowd welcoming you into another edition of Bandwagon Nerds here on the Chairshot Radio Network, a part of the Chairshot.com, where we encourage you to always use your head. The Chairshot.com, always use your head. And we are going to start off today with a super loaded bandwagon. That's right. We've got five instead of four as we are once again joined by Mr. Aesop Mitchell to continue the art project. How you doing? You're basically a de facto member. Like we used to send up the plat signal. We got to come up with something for for Aesop alarm. It's easy. Uh, alliteration man. alliteration yeah it's very comic booky so that that does work i'm ready i'm ready for today horror like horror is my style that's my genre i will be uh picking a whole bunch of deep cuts i hope and uh i can't wait to talk about them excellent well that's uh kind of what this list show turns into at different times uh is is our as our personal favorites and a lot of deep cut sort of stuff. We are also joined by the lawyer himself, Mr. David Ungar. Dave, I missed you yesterday in recording Chair Shot Radio, and it's a good thing that Aesop was here. We did a five by five, um, not glass half full, though I almost made a glass half full joke just to to needle Tunney and his disapproval of the five by five name, which has a source, by the way, sir. It does come from somewhere. Should be called the glass. Nope. 
Well, sorry I missed you guys yesterday, but I, ha- I had to go over to the coast where it was very, very pretty over in Santa Barbara. That's all I got to say. Right. It's like lucky here out in Massachusetts. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you got the trip. What it did was it allowed for Aesop and I to do the five best and five worst uh, HBO original programs. Uh, for, Ooh, I'm going to have to listen to that. And that was Aesop's uh, idea. So a uh, nice little 55-minute uh, chair shot radio of goodness that Ray Cash is going to help me post after this I can, show. So. I can think of the top five immediately in my head. That This is going something I'm going to have to listen to. You will be getting feedback. I, I, had, I had three um, immediately. and There's then, so many. Oh, my God. What a great topic. I, I, and I, went, I went deep. You can, you can ask you can ask Aesop. I had a show oh, yeah. I'd never heard of. What show? Well, I'll have to listen. You'll have to listen. Yeah, listen. yeah listen, listen. Don't show. spoil it. Well, real quick, my number one. Yeah. No, see, you just look at my background. Like, you're stuck. It's it's already up there. I got you. You got me. So you didn't have to tell anybody. You you, you have been ruined. You're, my number one has been spoiled, but that's that's neither here nor there. You'll you'll all be able to check that out uh, on Tuesday. So that'll be a lot of fun. But we also you heard the voice of the live studio audience himself, the comedian, the man who makes all the laughs, Mr. PC Tunney. <laughs> hey, now that you said it all out, that's a lot of pressure. It is a lot of pressure. You're under pressure. Pressing down on you, pressing down on me. No man ask for. But uh, welcome back to the show. And noticeably quiet so far today. The studio audience's favorite member of the bandwagon, Mr. Ray Cashington III, the Esquire, fifty seventh and a half. Oh, man, you know, you trying to talk to you. Know, I, don't I don't know. How are you, man? You wonder why I'm quiet. You know me. You love you love me. You love working with me. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dude, I know it. It's okay. It's okay. We so because we have, we have a little bit of it. So Tony's only going to be with us for the early portion of the show to cover topics. He has admitted that uh, he is going to respectfully step away from the horror rankings co- conversations. Because it's not really his wheelhouse, as he said. He would, it would be kind of like when Ray puts Fern Gully for all ten of his animated project or uh, family movies. Tony basically said he would put Zombieland one through ten. So uh, that not that's a bad choice. So. It's, it's not a bad movie. Was that? I didn't realize that was in the first decade. By the way, I thought that was after for a second, but shows what I know. My favorite horror movie of all time came out in 1999, though, so it just missed the cut. So Idle Hands. Nope. Audition. Oh, excellent. Did Just I do a horror list last year? Yeah, I was like, did that make the 90s project, Pat? It did. Okay. It definitely made the 90s project. It's one of the most disturbing movies I've ever seen in my life. It's gross. Very it's, gross. It's disturbing. Like, I, I can't even begin to describe it. It's a f- like, people talk about, uh, oh God, what's his nuts that does uh, Cabin Fever <laughs> and um, Hostel. Oh. It's that dude's name, Eli Roth. Yeah, and talking about torture porn movies. No, audition is the granddaddy of torture porn movies. Like, Listen, and it's only fifteen minutes of torture porn. I gave you eighteen horror movies last decade. All right, I just stopped watching horror movies. I'm sorry. That's fair. Well, what we are going to do first, though, and why I think Tony wanted to be a part of at least the first half of the show is the Super Bowl was last was last week, um, ish. 
a, a day later, uh, a week from when we're recording this. And inevitably, when the Super Bowl hits, we get trailers for some projects and things we're looking forward to that are upcoming. And three out of the four trailers are where we're going to do a special kind of Super Bowl edition to Trailer Park with one edition that was not a Super Bowl trailer, but is one that I think we're all just excited to talk about and we learned a little bit more about that all hit this week. And, and so, Dave, through the magic of post-production, I would like you to cue that beautiful banjo music and take us to the trailer park. Here we are in the trailer park, Super Bowl edition. We had two Marvel trailers and an Amazon Prime trailer, two Amazon Prime trailers. So 50-50 on our streaming services. We're going to cover the Amazon Prime trailers first. And the one that I know PC Tunney is the most excited about. He is ready for this, kids. That's right. We got our first extended look at the... Upcoming Lord of the Rings series, The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power, because titling it The Silmarillion would have kept people from watching it. Aesop, hey, you're, you're, you're doing the giddy fangirl clapping hands. Yes. So for for me, this thing looks fucking gorgeous, by the way. Yes. It's just, it looked, for, for everything that the Wheel of Time, like if anybody watched the Wheel of Time series, my, my Mrs. O'Dowd loves those books uh, and is very angry because the series is a radical departure from the books, like pissed off, raging ball of fury. However, um, that wasn't my biggest complaint. That show looks cheap. Like when I talk, yeah. when, it, when I look at like the special effects and the work that was done, it looks cheap on my television. And I don't know if it's because 4K HD just ruins it. But I can say without a shadow of doubt, you know, the word is that they spend a million dollars an episode on these Lord of the Rings episodes. It looks it. It looks gorgeous. It looks amazing. About the only recognizable character from the Lord of the Rings that people will probably jump to is Lady Galadriel. She's uh, front and center in a lot of the uh, a lot of the the trailer. You do get, I think, a glimpse of Elrond at one point. Uh, but this is supposed to be kind of the story of how we get to Lord of the Rings. And Aesop, you you got excited first, so I'll go Aesop, then Dave, then Ray, and Tony. Because you don't care, you go last, and you can just say you don't care. Actually, why uh-huh. don't hold on, Tony? Just tell us what you think about this trailer, real quick. Actually, it was kind of cool, to be honest with you. I thought. Ah, oh, you dick! Look <laughs> <laughs> you turn in the tide. I was watching it and I was like, I didn't know what I was I was about to watch, and then I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting, actually. Maybe maybe I'll check that out, but probably not. But maybe, but probably not. There we go. All right, now that now that we've got that out of the way, reactions, Aesop. Uh, the Cimmerillion is my jam. As much as I love the original uh, book series, the Cimmerillion just expands the world so much and gives you so much more lore to dive in upon uh, Tolkien's work, right? 
I wish they called it the Cimmerillion. I, I 100% agree with you, Patrick. I, I understand people could not digest it or even understand what was going on, but I'm happy to have seen such quality. Wheel of Time didn't really have the same fan base as Lord of the Rings. It, it was never going to match that. Not to mention the, what, 27 books that are in the Wheel of Time series to make matters even more confusing. Um, this is going to be good. It, there's no way they botch Lord of the Rings. You just don't botch the Lord of the Rings. And especially if you're Amazon, you are going to take the utmost care of this property to make sure that it comes back again and again and again and again and again and again and again. Dave. Well, I think like like you said, Pat, the trailer looks great. The, the quality looks top notch. Uh, it's going to be as far as like a, a prequel of sorts to the original Lord of the Rings trilogy, which I know chronologically comes after the Hobbit air quoting trilogy, even though it shouldn't have been. Uh, then, you know, I, I, I'm all in because this this looks like I think like like Aesop says, um Amazon knows what they've got with this this property and and one of the most beloved properties that there is and and a a lot that they can draw from as far as storytelling. I I I liked Wheel of Time. You know, I didn't have any real problems with it cuz I hadn't read a lot of the books. So depart people departing from canon uh CMCU and and we'll just just go from there. So uh but getting back to this this looks great. So yeah, when does it come? September? September 22nd, I do believe. Let's get there. Or maybe, I think it was September 22nd. It could have just been September 22. Like, I don't know. Uh, Ray, I know you're a big fantasy fan. Like, you love dragons and swords and sorcery. Nothing uh, more. Yep. It writes right up there with Flash Gordon for you. So, but your reaction seeing this trailer, because I, again, I, I stand by it. It's gorgeous and I'm intrigued, but spot on it's gorgeous and i am intrigued i have little to no interest in the lord of the rings as a pro as a project or as a property but this makes me say damn that looks good it, it intrigues me and it, the way they do these trailers nowadays or the business is it's thriving so strong because they can make you interested in anything right um i don't know if i'll be interested enough to see myself watch a whole season but i'll definitely catch a couple episodes Cool. Well, and hopefully that'll be enough to bring you in. I think that there's there. I mean, Amazon's got a lot riding on this series. You, they've invested a yeah. lot of money. So September second uh, is what they're saying. September second. So okay. I, there was a two involved. I had that right. One episode is all it's going to take. I think for a lot of people, maybe not necessarily you know everyone, but one episode is going to really bring people in. I have a feeling that first episode that drops on Amazon is going to be a heavy hitting one. Well, like, like me and Patrick had a conversation with about doom. It can, it can look as good visually as it needs to. If it has no, if it has, if it doesn't have a story that I, I can sink my teeth into, I'm going to lose it. And so hopefully it's like Dune and that it keeps me intrigued and I'm, I'm in. Did you guys see the number, the numbers for views in the first 24 hours for that trailer? There were 257 million. Oh, well, well then, so people go and watch it. Yeah, okay. Like, I'm, I'm probably about twenty of those. Right. I, I've watched it about. I've watched it three times. So, 
Uh, and I, I agree. The, the trailer was intriguing enough for me that I actually checked out a copy of the Sil- Silmarillion to read over the next couple of weeks. Godspeed. So, <laughs> so that, uh, I mean, I'm a solid reader and, uh, and I've read the Lord of the Rings books. I've read, I mean, I, I got through the Tom Bombadil chapters. Uh, those who know, know. So uh, I, I think I'm going to be okay there. The other trailer, this one I legit believe all five of us are are probably excited to check out because we got an extended trailer of The Boys Diabolical, the animated series that we got a lot more clarity on. And it's Star Wars Visions, but with The Boys um, as its various animators and writers and directors telling stories set in the boys universe involving characters you know some you don't know and all of it looks delightfully fucked up just like the boys and the show and so i i don't have too much to say about it other than uh, i'm in march 4th which is already like the busiest day in nerddom as it is like i got one other thing i gotta i gotta set up and stream and check out and if amazon does what they normally do you'll get three episodes on march 4th that's that's their that's their their jam is three episodes and then they roll them out one at a time and so let's back it up we'll go last man first ray you went last on this last one so you're the, the boys diabolical in delightfully wacky delightfully wacky like looney tunes and animaniacs on steroids with killing and uh i'm in i mean but the boys verse or the vault verse which may actually be more more appropriate um i'm in and anything they do with that 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 has they have wonderfully set such a universe and it's only been one season right or it's been two two they wanted to set such a universe and such a world and built such a world in just two seasons that feasibly you could make four, five, six different spinoffs off of this because it's such an expansive world that they've done so cleverly. Um, so shout out to Seth Rogen for that um, and Kirkman. But uh, yeah, I'm in for sure. And the beauty of it is it doesn't look like something you need to really invest a lot of time in. It looks like just something like you said, Star Wars Visions, 30 minutes, fun, get in, get out and wait for the main show. That's right, Dave. Yeah, uh, what do you, how did you describe it, Pat? Delightfully fucked up. Is that is that how you uh, quantify hey, this thing? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, so I guess episode one's going to be called Laser Babies Day Out. Um, so mm. that should tell you kind of. Uh, we saw a clip of that. We saw yeah. a clip of that baby running a buck with its laser vision, blasting holes through people. Uh, yeah, I mean, and- we when you talk about like pillars of bandwagon nerds, as far as the shows we reviewed. The boys is one of them. So, yeah. uh, as you know, anything boys related is going to immediately intrigue me, and I assume you guys as well. Um, and I, I don't know. You know, we never really asked Aesop whether he watched the boys. I'm assuming he did. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. So uh, you know, yeah. This is anything in the boys universe, and, and like Ray saying, Looney Tunes with Animaniacs with killing. Yeah, I, I March fourth is going to be a big day, but it, it's it's definitely going to be. You know, like I said, it has elements of uh, of Invincible thrown in there as well that you can see coming through, which is always going to be great. So, yeah, it's it's one of those shows that I'm definitely looking forward to. And this this trailer only may in, um, enhance that anticipation. 
Right. Aesop, your reaction. Uh, I've only been saying this pretty much since I've jumped on these, uh, these bandwagon podcasts. Western animation is coming up this year, right? Uh, Invincible was so dynamic last year. I watched all of the Legend of Vox Machina and had a great time with that. Um, the Boys Diabolical is next in the long line of of these Western animated series. And especially if it's an anthology. Oh, yeah, I'm super for it. I love me some anthology series. This is going to be great. I can't wait. Why don't we cover it? Maybe because Moon Knight starts on the 30th. Yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to this more than Moon Knight. There you go. Is is it worth covering, though? Because I don't think it's going to be anything of any of real, any real note. It just look like fun. Here, here's the thing is, I don't know, because remember when I said no to what if I do like covering what if and we're just going to segue into this. We get the Doctor Strange trailer at the Super Bowl, and basically they told you what if was canon. Because multiple what if universes are in that trailer. So yes, we're gonna we're gonna segue right onto this. So I don't know, maybe it's I it could be connected, it could not be connected. I think that it's kind of the genius of that type of show is that we could use it, we could not. But like if we're watching an episode of season three of the boys and a baby with laser eyes pops up, we're gonna we're gonna fucking mark out and be like, oh shit. Like I did when I saw Zombie Doctor Strange. We already did see the baby with laser eyes though when they went to Vought to go get the the super serum and it was right. remember. So we already well, saw the baby. So so even bringing it back, but that that's my point is that yeah. like it, it works both ways. Like you you're you it's there. It's it's part of their universe. And I remember when we were talking about what if just as a series of possibilities, we we're like I I specifically was like. Yeah, it's kind of nice. It's like these things that could be that don't are going to exist outside of the MCU. And then the Super Bowl trailer for Doctor Strange drops. First of all, we get the um, we get the teaser during the game, like a little thirty second teaser that's like, "Hey, go online. Trailers available now." And then of course that drove traffic. And I don't, Dave, I'm sure can look up how many views it's had. But that trailer goes. I don't think it's gotten 250 some million views, but, but you like that, that little 30 second TV spot, it had snippets of footage that weren't in the actual trailer. Cause I, and I asked to see if anybody could find it. Cause I was having trouble finding it in YouTube. YouTube kept directing me to the big spot uh, because there was more, there was more evil Doctor Strange footage. There was more zombie Doctor Strange footage. There was more dark Wanda footage. It, it, like the MCU is is just weaving it all together. And whether you like it, love it, loathe it, uh, it it's all there and it's all fitting in. I I'm looking forward to this movie. I like Doctor Strange. Uh, I'm excited for the return of Baron Mordo in particular. Yeah. We, we kind of talked about this a little bit. You hear Patrick Stewart's voice. Sounds like it could. I I do, even though I was like, ah, you never know. I do think it's Charles Xavier. I do think it's the Illuminati. Uh, and if it's not, they're really setting it up to be the Marvel Illuminati and, and, and head fake you. But Dave, your turn to go first. Your reactions to the Doctor Strange trailer, the full Doctor Strange trailer that hit at the Super Bowl. 
143 million global views first 24 hours so for that one. The rates greater than MCU. Yes. Least Appar- greater than Doctor Strange. Apparently so. Uh yeah, the straight the uh the trailer was uh like you're saying, there's a lot of what if brought in, but it, well, I think you have to take the trailer and the TV spot and kind of like look at them as a whole to get the full picture of this thing. But yeah, I think the biggest, the biggest aspect of, of this is, um, you know, Scarlet, which, which is involvement is huge in this America Chavez. You see her, which we know earlier, but yeah, the world just lost their minds with nothing more than Patrick Stewart's apparent voice. What does that mean? I, I tend to agree with you. I think it is the Illuminati. I mean, you see him get brought into a, a room with very tall walls and chairs lined up along the top. And if the Illuminati yeah, and if the Illuminati is there, then that raises the possibility that is this how we get Reed Richards as well? So, uh, I mean, there a lot to digest in the trailer for sure. And, and they certainly seem to be really expanding the universe at, at a, at a, um, exponentially faster clip than i think a lot of us anticipated so this this movie is going to be crazy i mean it's absolutely crazy the trailer's just balls to the wall in, in many ways uh and 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 i mean you know i mean we talked remember when we reviewed wandavision and so often we said is this house of m in reverse they kind of have elements of that in this trailer as well if with wanda being so involved if you're bringing in mutants and you're bringing in illuminati you know I'm not going to say Mephisto is going to show up, but you never know. So, uh, yeah. great, great trailer. So it, 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 it's going to be fun. At the end of the day, it's always Mephisto. I'm waiting Tony, for him to show up in Fern Gully. That's what I'm waiting for. Stop, Tony. He's he's too busy fighting Flash Gordon. It's it's no, we're no Mephisto talk here. No, no, no. Tony <laughs> Cern. It's Tony Cern. Don't talk about Mephisto. This seems like a perfect candidate for a movie to go watch in 3D. Yes. And that's where I'm going to try to. The first one was great for that, too. When it when it went into the mirror dimension and Dormammu's realm. Perfect setup. The other the other uh, line I love from this trailer was Wanda. And I think it was something to the effect of you break the rules and you're a hero. I break the rules and I'm the bad guy or the villain or something. And I just can't wait for her to be back and uh, to watch her play that character. It was so enjoyable, the series. And it's funny, the people, the age range of people that I talk to about the Disney streaming and the whole Marvel universe is, is so vast. It's, it's excellent. Yeah. I, I, it's thoroughly exciting. It's thoroughly exciting to see it. Aesop, your turn. Uh, when is this movie coming out exactly? Uh, like May, March 22nd? May 6th. Or May 6th. Oh, okay. May 6th. They, uh, first of all, have done a huge disservice to the fan base by not releasing this movie on 420. Because uh, <laughs> this, this movie is going to require some people to partake in a mushroom or, or something. And uh, it is going to be wild. I have to shout Shuma Garath. Shuma Garath is my guy. And I can't wait to see more of that. Um, Doctors, the what if, like tie-ins, whatever. I don't really care all that much. But I am super ready for this movie. It looks so fun. And uh, the more and more I watch the first one, the higher it climbs on my ranking of uh, MCU movies. So... I have a feeling this one is going to surprise me a lot. It had such a unique finish. Like the climax of that, 
movie. And, and I've heard your complaints about Marvel formulas loud and clear. This one isn't completely the type. Doctor Strange isn't completely no. the type. And so I think that's part of the reason why it works so well. Uh, it's also why I argue that uh, Eternals is getting a bad rap is because it's a kind of against type and that yes doesn't work for the mainstream audience but nerds like us love it 100 percent. ray how excited are you for dr strange the multiverse of madness extremely i think this is this may be the most important movie of the phase entire phase four uh because it sets up so many different possibilities um by the way i'm glad that tony brought up the whole wanda uh comment because i know it's going to be a big deal and Asa brought up Shura Gorath, uh, Shuma Gorath, how do you say it? The fucking tentacle thing. <laughs> Hentai so, in a monster form. Well done, yes. Exactly. And it, again, straight out of What If, uh, 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 the Strange Supreme, straight out of What If. Um, I will say this. It is apparent to me, um, if you look at the way Endgame ended, if you look at the way Far From Home happened, not Far From Home, No Way Home happened, and this, that they are setting Doctor Strange up to be the new linchpin of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the new Iron Man, and that everything revolves around him, even almost maybe to a point of him being not just the leader of the new heroes, but the one that brings everybody together. Uh, because everything has lived and died with him so far at, since after Endgame and whatnot. Um, and it was... what. I, I, so that brings me to the Illuminati because clearly he broke the uni- well Loki broke the universe Sylvie did, but maybe he fractured it to another level. Um, but this possible Illuminati um, with the Ultron drones that nobody's talked about, the Ultron guards that hasn't been mentioned here, which is again a, a, a crazy callback. Um, I there was a, a very very random comment. Uh, by the three Peters in No Way Home, where he asked, he mentioned, well, you guys will have Avengers? And they were like, what the hell is the Avengers? Which lets you know that every universe has a different group of people. And there may not be a Norman Osborn in that universe, but there is one in this one. There may not be a Steve Rogers in this universe, but there is one in that one. Which makes me believe uh, that Charles Xavier for sure, but I, we're going to be Patrick Stewart. I think that Ian Gruffeld or whatever his name is, is going to be the Reed Richards of that's going to be on that stage. And I know these are rumors and I know Patrick Case rumors within reason. I I understand why, but there is a port. There's a portion of that uh, trailer where there's a Captain Marvel like figure that looks like they're in hyperdrive. The rumors are, and if you look really closely, like I'm talking like pause it and look really closely, that might be superior Iron Man as Tom Cruise. And that would be the biggest callback they've ever done. Cause Tom Cruise initially was supposed to be Iron Man. So I just think it's more fan service for the fans and so many more possibilities because with the multiverse that breeds, there has to be in some form or fashion, multiple of the same people in certain universes. So that has me excited because now I don't have to say, Oh, well they gave away Reed Richards. Well, no, they didn't. They just showed you that he exists. And to be to expect how important he's going to be and whatnot. So yes, it's this, by far maybe the most important movie we'll see in the next two three years. Sorry to jump in real fast. No, no, I'm done. This, yeah, by all means. This movie also has a lot of feeling on my end of 
an unhappy ending to build yep. to more. And Agreed. Doctor Strange, definitely Wanda is such a key figure in these unhappy endings. And I, I have a feeling that this is clearly just a part one of something much bigger. You know, you, you could say that about uh, Spider-Man. Sure. Spider-Man had some type of bow tie to it. It wasn't a major one, but it it was kind of there. I think this one doesn't have any resolution at all. And, you know, to put a bow on to put a bow on this, I was super bummed when you can tell it was going away from the original thought that we all had of nightmare and the mirror dimension and all of this and whatnot. Cause I think that's such a dope character and villain to have on a, on an actual big screen. But the way they pivoted to what they're doing now is it's much bigger than a one-off movie. Like you said, this, I really think this is going to and hyperbole. I forgive me for, for it, but I think this is going to change the course of what we know the MCU in the future to be. So big uh. I love hyperbole. It's what nerds and fans do best. We were going to talk about fandom, and this would have definitely been part of what I, I think is fascinating about fandom is we, we get very hyperbolic, uh, and, and we have multiple fandoms where we're very hyperbolic. I mean, wrestling fans are the most hyperbolic people I know. The worst. <laughs> the biggest event in the history of our sport, for example. Um, I would argue that a lot of people look at Marvel movies and, you know, every year, one of the four that gets released is the, the biggest Mar Marvel movie in the history of Marvel until the next Marvel movie that's the biggest movie in the history of Marvel. Yeah, of course. It hits. So let's talk about a TV show that just kind of it got a, uh, or a Disney Plus show, 30-second spot, a little bit more footage of Moon Knight. We got a, more footage of Moon Knight, uh, and we also got a good look at Ethan Hawke's villain, which, you know, I remember when Ethan Hawke was kind of, a, and maybe he still is, I, I remember him in the, like, 90s when he was, like, a heartthrob, like, doing doing things like uh, or whatever it is. He wasn't in Memento. No? Wasn't that no. him? No. That's Which one am I thinking of with him? Uh, uh, I'll get back to you. <laughs> anyway, Dead Poet Society. He's like babyface Dead Poet Society, Ethan Hawke. Just handsome guy. And I'm like, dude, when did he start doing meth with his like stringy-ass hair and hollowed-out cheekbones? But we got to look at him kind of as a false prophet-esque character uh, and a little bit more insight into the show, but not much. And we're getting close to the end of March when this series is debuting. So, Ray, I turn it to you. What do we know? Nothing. And that's the best thing for Moon Knight. Because we shouldn't. This this is not a character. It'd be different if this was a character where there was a whole lot of canon and people knew about. Then you have to give people something because they already are expecting. Not one person has any expectations of what this thing is going to be. And that is the greatest tool. I think to a showrunner and a producer and a director and a writer, because you can do whatever you want, whether you want to stay canon to whatever story there is, or you want to just go batshit crazy and say, I'm making my own stuff up. All that matters is that Oscar Isaac is in on this character and is completely willing to do what all the craziness. And I mean that with all the level of respect. So no dude's schizophrenic. I'm not trying to shame him for that, but perfectly. Right. And I'm so intrigued by Ethan Hawke's character because they have given me nothing. 
They've given me nothing. Why is he the bad guy? Is he the bad guy? I, what is the deal? Um, I also love how they kind of integrated a very small part of his uh, of Moon Knight's kind of uh, gadgetry because he is known as the Batman as Marvel's version of Batman, which is a terrible moniker, but it is. It's a, it's a weird comparison because it's not entirely accurate. Um, not even just, close. Yeah, I was like, well, in early in early lore, he kind of totally was. Like he just the, like the the Egyptian iconography was a big part of Moon Knight, but it wasn't like nearly as supernatural as it gotcha. eventually becomes. You know, Batman has just never been mystic, mystical, magical, nothing. Like Batman's always been a detective at heart. Yeah, yeah, uh, and that sort of thing. So Mark Spector is a little bit different, but yes, I, you can't deny the resemblances. I mean, and and they're kind of leading into it a little bit with the, with the running on the rooftop and yeah, the leaping through the rooftops. I can't wait for him to fight with his staff, his little bow stick. Like that's always a good time. Um, if I can't have gambit, I'll take that. Uh, Dave actually, no, no, Aesop, Aesop, your thoughts on moon Knight uh, and this 32nd spot, anything to add? Uh, I got to see Ethan Hawke look like Kevin Bacon. Uh, that's pretty much what I took away from that because he really did. He, he started doing meth. Like, I don't get it. Like, I, I, I don't believe he started doing that. <laughs> Spot on. Yes. Ethan Hawke but, uh, Kevin Bacon as the character he's playing. Yeah, he looks like uh, he looked like um, uh, the Hellfire Club. Uh, Kevin Bacon from what's it called? First Class. But nothing wrong with that. Uh, Arthur Harrow is his character. If you don't mm. know who that is. It's kind of a minor blip in the comics, but you know they do that well with Marvel. They take these small characters and they transform them into something that's a lot bigger than what they actually are. Um, I I don't need a lot. I, I don't want a lot. I don't want them to divulge. In fact, I think uh, Ray is 100% correct. When you do these trailers, you should be giving us teasers. You know that's why they're called that. <laughs> Don't be giving me all this crap and telling me half of the damn series or the the movie. And uh, I I think it leads to more intrigue. And I am very intrigued by this show. I think Moon Knight is someone that uh, never got enough love as a Marvel character. And I I know I've said this before as well. He is so intricate. You know, having these dissociative identity disorder that he does you know he in the comics he ends up talking to figments of like wolverine and spider-man and stuff like if we can get something along those lines it's gonna make for a compelling television tony to you and dave will take us home uh yeah i i don't know go ahead dave I see, well those, done, see those broadcasting lessons are really pick, picking up, paying off there, Monty. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I don't think I can top anything with with Aesop comparing Ethan uh, to to Kevin to Kevin Bacon. I mean, I, I just I don't I don't know if you taught that, but I think Ray's exactly right. I agree with him 100. percent They they've got a blank slate with this series, and that's the way it should be. Um, because yeah, hardcores like us are going to know some of Moon Knight's mythology. But Marvel doesn't need to follow that, and 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 they've they've clearly shown an inclination not to follow that in select circumstances. This seems to be one of those. So I I love the fact that it really you're going into this with a with a niche character that they're going to develop, and and I'm sure we're going to see more of him as Phase Four and Five move along. So 
fantastic. With Peacemaker done, give me my next superhero fix. I need it. Or as, as Ray would say, give it to me. Give it to me. Give me what I want, right, Ray? Well, that and, you know, referring to Peacemaker, apparently really want to taste it. So let me taste it. I, I do. Yeah, throw the dog an invisible bone. You got it. The one thing I wanted to say, Patrick, is the thing that happens with the Moon Knight character kind of reminds me of the Apple series we're looking forward to is Severance. Like, when does the Severance disappear in Moon Knight's life? Well, we'll have to see. Um, I I am excited for this. I agree. Less is more in in regards to Moon Knight. So we will we will be checking that out. All right, fellas. That's going to do it for this week's edition of the Trailer Park. We are not going to do another long-form subject because when we come back from our first break, we're going to jump into the art project. Before we go, though, I don't know if he's going to hang back and listen um, or if he's going to take off, but we are going to say goodbye to Tony as a participant in the show. So wave wave goodbye to PC Tony, everybody. I'll, no listeners. I'll, you're all waving. I'll, I'll be here in the background, uh, microphone off, and I'll say goodbye to the listeners at the end of the show. That's right. And he will probably at some point make one of us break concentration during the program. We just. (laughs) So when we come back, we are going to kick off part three of the op project horror films. That's right. Horror films, not horror films. That's a whole other genre and one we won't cover here. Uh, Uh, Couldn't wait for that week. The 2000s uh, were pretty good in those. (laughs) (laughs) Shout to Napster and LimeWire. I got I got a lot of movies I could list on that one. And shout out to April Hunter. April Hunter, huh? Are we shouting our favorite actresses? Uh, Janine Lindemolder. <laughs> so anyway, on that note, when we come back, our oh Jesus Christ, I've lost my concentration balls. All right, when <laughs> we, we tunied him. Back, yes, and you didn't. You didn't have to try that. I started thinking of all the porn stars from the '90s that I <laughs> loved. Loved myself. Anyway, uh, when we come back, we're going to try to get this show back on the rails with The Ot Project Part 3, Horror Films. You're listening to Bandwagon Nerds on the ChairShot Radio Network, a part of the ChairShot.com. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hey folks, PC Tony here. Thanks to our new partnership with Angry Lemonade, you can save 10% on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code CHAIRSHOT. Head to angrylemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services. Use the promo code CHAIRSHOT to save 10%. That's angrylemonade.net. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. All right. Welcome back. I've had a moment to collect myself, get my shit together. Uh, Apologies for that. Is that what you're calling it? Collecting yourself? Okay. Got it. Collecting myself. Not you know, and technically, if don't antagonize, don't do it. If you look far enough, you can find someone who's getting their shit together on those versions of movies. Too. <laughs> that was a collective boo for all of you, by the way. That like Ray was the last one to talk. And that includes myself. Like I, I participated. I allowed this to happen. I allowed this to take place. And we've got a whole genre to talk about uh, today. We are going to talk horror films for this week's edition of the Op Project. That's right. The movies that scared us, disturbed us, everything. And this was quite an era for the genre, the first decade of the 2000s. As I think every 
Asian horror movie on the planet was turned into an Americanized version of a horror film in the early 2000s. You named it, and at least, I'm assuming this will probably be on a lot of other people's lists, but like, I had to put at least one remake on there. There was one that just took the world by storm. And then you go back and you watch the original and you're like, wow, it was like note for note. Like they just took that movie, put white people in it. The end. <laughs> right. AKA cinema. Right. Basically like cinema, <laughs> music, all entertainment. So yeah, no, no, uh, no rule changes. Uh, like I mentioned before, Tony, this is not his wheelhouse, so he has decided to bow out. Ray, who wasn't here with us last week, is here this week, so he is actually going to take Tony's spot. Tony went first last week, so Ray, you will actually finish up the rotation. It's going to go Dave, Aesop, myself, and then Ray. And as always, don't forget, if a movie shows up that's higher on your list when somebody names it, raise that hand so that we can skip it and give it, to, give it its proper due. Before we do that, I got to share. We're recording it. We started recording at 2 o'clock Eastern time. At 1.42, I finally was like, you know what? This is my list. (laughs) Uh, Because I was toying around with a list of about 30 that I whittled down to 15, cut five, shuffled around the 10 that were left, almost put some of the five that I cut back in. And finally was just like, you know what? There's just not going to be a right answer today. And so there's not going to be a wrong answer today. I feel like they're all the right answers. Was that, was that kind of the general feeling around the room? I'm seeing some nods. Aesop that you said, this is your wheelhouse. So how hard was this list to construct for you? You, you, you go first. Uh, Well, I, I will say it. This uh, this decade, I got a lot confused. I thought that I had some that were not in uh, this 2000-2009. lot was in 2010 and you know 11. So that helped, I guess. Um, I still had a hard time. I had more um, overall selections this go around than I did the, the previous two iterations uh, of this odd project. So I, I guess it's getting harder and harder and I feel very confident. I, I know I, I brought it up in our little group chat about the Asian remakes, or I should say the Asian originals that become remakes. I don't even have any of them in my top 10. I do have some foreign uh, language films and those did get Americanized remakes, but uh, I think the foreign horror film really just started to come to fruition in this decade. Awesome. Dave. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, Aesop and I talked about one in, in particular in the chat that I know is going to appear. Th- this one, this is one of these categories where until superhero movies took off in this decade, horror films were my favorite genre of every anything. And I think like this decade is probably the strongest with the pot, you know, next to the eighties, which of course, you know, was the ushering in a lot of the iconic characters and things like that. But, uh, yeah, this decade was tough. This is one of these categories where I really wish we'd done a top 15. Then I would have felt really good about everything, but oh dear God. yeah, but I, I think like, you know, my, I, and I consulted a lot with my niece who's run a horror blog for years 
about this category and and we exchanged a lot of notes and things like that so i got to give a shout out to her there's one in particular she recommended that i'd heard about for years that made my list which is probably the most disturbing film that i can recall seeing in a very 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 maybe ever so uh yeah i got i i at the end of the day i told her i said i can live with my list am i ecstatic about it probably not but i can live with it there's some cute stuff. There's some disturbing stuff. There's some of the foreign things like Aesop talked about. Um, I think this might be one where we don't get as much crossover as we usually do. And there's some that I deliberately left off because I figure, you know, one of you guys is going to bring it up. So I'm going to go in a different direction. Actually, it's funny. I think I did that too. I did leave one off. Uh, the one that I was just thinking about that I, that I said was on my list. No, it didn't make it. I left it off because I figured somebody else would bring it up. Yeah. Well, I'll think that and then leave it off completely. <laughs> So. That'll be fun, Ray. You um, you love horror. I do. You, you love horror. So, how was this list for you? It wasn't as difficult as I thought it would be. Um, I I'm sure I'll have the most conventional list. Uh, but I Count- uh, actually, I'm really counting on it. <laughs> yeah, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. Yes, and and I'm okay with that. Uh, but I know I, I had in a bad way at all. You know that, right? Like, I don't mean that in a bad way at all. I did. Oh. I think that it's absolutely. For the exact reason that I just said, I left a movie out because I figured yeah. it would be on your list. Absolutely, you know, I, I I know exactly what you mean for, and I'm I'm happy to be that guy because you guys are gonna show me stuff that I've never seen and make me watch it, which is the beauty of these lists. Um, but I had a good twenty, but I knew I had eight that were locked, so it was like ten, it was like twelve fighting for two spots. Um, but I'm very happy with my list. My last one is kind of a a joke, but I'll explain why it's there. But other than that, my top nine, I'm very comfortable with. Awesome. Well, that kind of the per, in my opinion, the the number ten is always like for me a pure joy pick. Like yep. I want this, I want to celebrate this particular movie in this genre, just because of how great I think it is. So I am thoroughly, I allow it. I, I will definitely allow it. Um, and on that note. Dave Ungar, kick us off, big fella. So my number 10, uh, you know, werewolf movies, at least good ones, are kind of hard to come by. You know, you get a handful of them. Please pick this. Cycle of the Werewolf, things like that. uh, Silver Bullet, things like that. Um, My number 10 is Ginger Snaps. Yes! Excellent. (laughs) Awesome. This was the... Oh, Go ahead. Yes. You guys can comment on this thing. I assume it didn't I, make I your list. I just want to say, I'm so glad you picked it because I felt bad that I left it off my list. So, thank I, you. My wife and I have watched it and the two sequels that are terrible mm-hmm. oh, more times than I can count. And, and I'm sorry, I'm going to say, allegory for puberty to the max, it's awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Go ahead. Talk yeah, about this I movie. mean... What I love about this movie, why it made number 10, is it it has all the trappings of your typical teen horror movie mixed in with these two girls who are kind of obsessed with death to a certain extent, thinking, and they've kind of glorified it in their minds. But when they're actually faced with this terrible situation, it's suddenly not so glamorous anymore. And, and, And yeah, three quarters of it is kind of the typical formulaic teen horror movie. Then you get to the last quarter and it really kind of changes and it gets very intense in the end. And I love the fact that unlike a lot of werewolf movies um, where you get to see that, that transformation like American werewolf in London, this channeled a lot of that, but 
It's different here because the transformation doesn't happen in a matter of minutes. It happens over like weeks and you get to see Ginger go through this transformation where she's more and more morphing into a werewolf. Like you get to see her tail growing and she's trying to hide that. And, you know, she kind of breaks out and, and becomes, you know, interested in guys where she's been such an extrovert for all of her life. And yeah, at the end, it's really, you know, so many of these movies that we're going to talk about. You, you, the great thing about horror is if you leave the theater or your couch feeling good about the world, then you've watched the wrong movie. And this is not one of these movies where you leave there feeling good. You know, the other girl, I forget her name. It starts with a B, Bia or something like that. Um, she, at the end, you're not really sure what happens to her because she's lost her sister and her best friend. And it's, it's a really well done. They do some clever things. It's not very tropey. They dangle in the tropiness and then they pull away from it and kind of shift it in a different direction. It, you know, it's one of the handful of werewolf movies that are really, really good. And I had to put it at number 10. So I very much enjoyed Ginger Snaps. There you go. Excellent. Yeah, uh, I love Jim Ginger Snaps. Um, it, it's a lot more than just blood and gore in that movie, right? And li- like you said, just that uh, uncommonly intelligent. Fantastic pick, Dave. Thank you. I wish I knew what you said uh, there, but a lot of that <laughs> froze up a little bit. Whoops. <laughs> number 10. All right. Sir. Uh, my number 10 is The Strangers. Uh, that, that was my number 11. Films, Great choice. Home invasion films have gotten more and more popular over the past decade or so and have done quite well, honestly. And especially once you go into this past decade in 2010 and on, there's a whole bunch of excellent ones. Um, uh, Liv Tyler, Scott Speedman, the, the, the young couple dynamic that feels very genuine on a vacation and then suddenly become isolated and terrorized by three assailants, right? I always talk about the one thing that really engages an audience is how relatable it is to a viewer and the stranger gives everyone that relatability factor i think we are all in agreement that we have that that seeing someone walk up to your door raises your eyebrows let alone someone seeing actually someone in your house which is just more terrifying this movie has an ambiance to it as well just really great lighting the costumes specifically of the villains and their masks are terrifying and the lack of music, which is so awesome in horror movies. It, it's, cr- it's a creepy movie, man. It's just weird. Best part about the movie. We don't know why they did it. And it just ends. I love that. And that carries over into the sequel too. They, they do that wonderfully. My, uh, my one of my all time favorite movies is uh, is Halloween, mm-hmm. the original Halloween, and the reason I love it so much is because throughout most of that movie, people are there, you know, Michael Myers is there, but nobody else is really aware of them being there, and some of the unsettling moments in that house where the invaders are just standing there, and, and just they're just there, like that's freaky. Yeah. That's just freaky shit. Um, and that's that's the sort of thing that gets me. Uh, I went a little more campy with my number 10 uh, as I chose uh, the movie Trick or Treat, uh, which is higher on both Aesop and Dave's list. So fuck you both. <laughs> Ray, to your number 10. So 
I'm, I know I'm going to get a big laugh. I don't know very many people that would consider this a horror movie, but there are tremendous horror undertones throughout the campiness and ridiculousness of this movie, and that is Snakes on a Plane. All it right. is the most campy, stupid, ridiculous C movie you'll ever see. But underneath all the ridiculousness and the whole selling the whole movie to Samuel Jackson because he can cuss up a storm and all that is the fact that how terrifying is it to fly over the Pacific Ocean from Hawaii to L.A. And all of these extremely vicious and uh, and poisonous and mad horny snakes, because, you know, pheromones, when they snakes get horny, they get the one to, to bite. It is, it, it is, and especially if you are scared of snakes. When the movie came out, my girlfriend at the time was as scared of snakes as, as I am of something else. And I forced her to watch it, and she has nightmares to this. Boy, I will come to Milwaukee and punch in your fucking mouth. Don't do that. <laughs> Sorry. Tunny almost got. Yes. It's pretty sure. We should, we should drink every time Tunny interrupts one of us and gets us off our game. You drinking game. <laughs> I, I love you, but you all, but it, 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 look, don't do that. Um, but yes, uh, Snakes on the Plane is campy, crazy fun. And most people won't, won't look as horror, but it definitely has enough scary moments in it that I think it fell in this list. And I just could not find myself not doing a 2000s list without putting it on someone's list. So, fair, fair enough. I have never watched that movie. It so if you you are a person that likes these BC movies that you may never watch again, but are just campy as hell. I oh, promise I, you. Oh, it's campy. It's campy to the max. I promise you, you will you will not regret. Your hour and a half spent. Oh, I'm sure it's better than the Rise of Skywalker. That's without a doubt. So, <laughs> of course. And my number nine. <laughs> Boom! You're number nine, sir. He's gonna make us wait, isn't he? The suspense is terrible. Sorry, no, it's, it's it's not like I'm Rise sorry, of Skywalker. Right. Can't say either one of you. Um, Donnie Darko, and we talked about it a couple weeks ago, so I don't really have to go into, yeah. um, you know, explanations why, but. I just looked at Donnie Darko more as an existential horror than you guys did putting it on your, uh, what did y'all put it on your action? I had it, I had it on sci-fi. We haven't done action. Sci-fi. I had it sci-fi. on my sci-fi. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, because of time looping and that, and that sort of thing. Yeah. So excellent, excellent choice. It's definitely, it, it fits the, the tension and the creep factor of, of Donnie Darko. Every, every bit, uh, a horror film as it is, it can be a fantasy. Uh, my number nine, I'm going to be honest, I, it's probably on there as much for the twist as it is for anything. Uh, and that's the movie Orphan, uh, higher on some other lists. So I'm just not getting to talk about any of my <laughs> Sounds like Aesop, your number nine. Sure. Uh, my number nine is a movie that not a lot of people saw. It's called Eden Lake. Uh, mm-hmm. take, take the strangers, now replace the deranged masked adults and the isolation factor with asshole high schoolers and romp around uh, a forest. And that's more or less the super synopsis of Ian Lake. We got Kelly Riley and Michael Fassbender who play a young couple going on a vacation in the woods, you know, just like the last one. And they are just tormented by these groups, uh, a group of children, the leader being this shithead named Brett, 
Yeah, no one, no one ever likes a brat. And uh, after I'm trying to tell you, yes, right. <laughs> and after the couple confronts these kids, all hell breaks loose. There is a major twist at the end that just punches you right in the gut. But I highly recommend you see Eden Lake because it's kind of a sleeper. Well, yeah, no, uh, definitely will keep it in mind. Uh, not one I've seen, so you 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 definitely. Deep dove us there uh, with your number nine. It sounds like you're going to keep doing it. Dave, you're number nine, sir. Well, we're going to have to skip my number nine because it wasn't Aesop's number nine. So I'm assuming it's higher than that's trick or treat. All right. You're number eight. All right. So I'm not sure if this is going to appear on Aesop's list because we're talking deep dives. But my number eight is the French psychological film called Martyrs. Oh, higher on Pats. Okay. It it is it was like in my thirteen fourteen. It is yeah. We'll talk about it when we get to it. But yeah. Anyway, <laughs> it's lots to talk oh, about. Is that the one that you're that you were it was suggested to you? That is the one. It is top it three is of not, the most disturbing yeah, films I've ever just, seen. So it's it's my decade. Uh, it's like yeah, I talked about audition. This is my decade's audition. Um, Aesop, you're number eight. Um, well, my number eight is probably going to have to get skipped. It's Orphan. All right. That brings it to my number eight. My number eight is was remade in the United States uh, under a movie title called Quarantine starring Jennifer Carpenter, but it's Wreck. And again, I am not participating <laughs> in the show today. Um, so I guess, uh, Ray, go, because I'm not. Hey, this is great for time, though, right? It is. We are moving right along. <laughs> My number eight is another one I don't have to talk about very much because we talked about it in the sci-fi. Uh, Aesop so eloquently brought it up, but The Mist. And it's actually higher on my list. <laughs> okay. Mine as well. My, num- my number seven, I'd be shocked if you guys have it because it gets a it's, it gets a horrible rap. And this is kind of the movie that made people sick of this particular director. But my number seven is Signs, Mel Gibson. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I know you would hate that. Swing away, Ray. Swing away. <laughs> Look, there are some unforgivable parts of that movie that just make no fucking sense. Like why the why the aliens were best. I'll give it this. It is one of the best jump moments built. The the home video scene. Yep. And when um when Joaquin Phoenix is watching the news, that is a great moment. It has great moments, but again, I, I want I want to acknowledge I know it has some really stupid why would the aliens come to a, a planet of seventy percent water and they are water is their 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 weakness? I look, it makes no sense. I'm with it. But again, there are some really fantastic parts of that movie. And for me, as an inquisitive kid, the one thing it did for me being a kid of the I mean, I was born in the eighties, but I was I'm a kid of the nineties, is what the fuck is up with crop circles? And it really like that is a fast that's been a fascinating thing to me seeing as I'm from the South, right? And that played on that enough for me with the intrigue and, you know, aliens don't scare me, but the way they portrayed them, there was such intrigue of the way they kind of vacillated through the world and whatnot. I, I, I think, and, and more than anything, everybody got an opinion on this movie. There are some movies on, on that we're going to have on our list that everybody's like, yeah, it's cool. Everybody has an opinion on this movie. So... Yeah, it, it was big for defense, me as a kid. In its defense, it's not the happening. Uh, yeah, yeah it, good point. I'll, dude, Ray, I actually don't 
despise that movie like so many people do. It's yeah. not great, but it it's fine. It does its job, and there are some genuinely good uh, like shots. Uh, one of my favorites is that one where they catch the alien in the TV screen. Yeah, uh, you know the reflection. I think that's a real fun, and then. It, goes into the swingway, you know, nonsense, and then it's kind of, you know, sad. But the swingway part doesn't bother me as much because at least that's part of the story. It's the the water stuff is just bullshit to me. It's just it's mind blowingly. And M Night Shyamalan has his flaws, but that is beneath him. I mean, I guess I shouldn't be too hard. I actually don't hate the village, so um, I I can't I can't I can't totally. What about Lady in the Water? Oh, with the dude with the arm. And that's too- <laughs> oh, God. Nice. He, yeah, he just, he was so, like, The Sixth Sense is such a great movie. Yep. Unbreakable is such a good movie. And unfortunately, he became, he fell victim to his own, his own conceit. Like, it, it took forever until he got back to, um, what's that movie where the kids go visit their grandparents? What is that one called? Uh, the visit. That that right. was that was kind of the time where I was like, oh, I'm back with him. Uh, you got uh, McAvoy's too in the Unbreakable series Flip. too. Flip. That's uh, after the Flip. visit, though. That's after the visit, isn't it? No, I think I can't remember what Split. Split happened in there too, but like and, in terms of like the back to the horror and the twist thing, like the visit, that was the one yeah. that was like, oh, that's, we're back. That's his problem. That's the problem with Shyamalan is so much of his movies are about the twist. And right. quite frankly, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. I think if James McAvoy didn't have one of the greatest performances we've seen in the past 15 years, would that movie be the same movie? No. And the thing about that movie's twist is that it's so secondary and kind of a, yep. it's not a twist like to the plot. It's it's a twist in the sense to make of something oh, canon. Shit. Like he yeah. connected it all. Like that yeah. was the that was the big twist. Yeah. You know, and that's the that's the thing is when you look at the twist that he he had to put in, uh, or that he put in for signs, and this idea that everything happens for a reason. The lady in the water is the same way. Like everybody's doing this thing for a reason, and the re- but the reason became dumb. Devil is terrible. Um, <laughs> Is devil, is that the one in the the elevator? elevator. Yeah, I enjoyed it because it's it's sometimes terrible is fun, right? It's an enjoyable oh, movie. It just made it just made me mad. That one that one was also like you could read the the writing on the Dave, wall instantly. Yeah. In the next edition of the nerd review that drops, Dave describes my feelings of the book of Boba Fett as disgusted. I was disgusted with the devil. <laughs> like with devil like that. That was just. <laughs> On that note, not outraged, we're skip, disgusted. We're going to skip my number seven because my number seven is the mist, and I've already seen it waved up higher on someone else's it's list. It's my hey. number seven as well. Well, then we got Aesop's number seven, and then we can talk. Well, no, Sop had uh, the mist on his sci fi, so it's time for you to talk about it. Oh, okay, fair enough. Well, no, because it's not Dave's turn. That was. Anyway, oh, I got you. We're going to talk about this because now okay. we've gone too far. We, we've gone all the way down the path. Um, again, when a twist works, it works in a way that's great. And we talked about this during the sci-fi uh, fantasy list. It, it it can really just shift things on a dime. I love the no, I love the short story. Um, it was one of the first things I ever read by Stephen King, uh, ever. Like I remember buying Skeleton Crew 
and, and reading that that short story uh, and and being kind of blown away with it. Between that and the raft, um, just two terrific little stories there that got turned into uh, movies or, or put to film. And it's it's really all about the gut punch at the end. So I don't want to go. I don't want to belabor it too much because we did talk about it. another great like mood horror film. You know, atmospheric. Like, yeah, just the the con like with the mist and things that go bump in the night. Like that's good stuff. Uh, and so yeah, so that's why the mist made by uh, my list and is number seven. Yeah. All right. Uh, oh, go ahead, Dave. Sorry. No, I was just going to say because I didn't get a chance to talk about it on the sci-fi. Um. Remember what I said earlier about if you leave a horror movie feeling good about the world and about yourself, then it's failed. There, there is no ending in the history of cinema, arguably, that where you feel more hopeless than the end and frustrated at the same time than the end of the mist, where it's just like son of a bitch, you know. And and, and I know they deviated from the book, and who gives a shit? Because it's just kind of it is such a hopeless feeling at the end of that thing that. And, and, you know, and the special effects, the creatures that come out of the mist and these fucking like, oh, my goodness. And, and it is it's like this is what happens when you dabble with shit that you don't know about and you're not sure what's going to come out of there. So um, great choice, Pat. Obviously, great choice, Aesop, for you having it on the sci fi. I definitely see the crossover. Uh, don't forget, Stephen King saw that that finish and said, you did it better than I did. So he right. a- approved Deep. of that. Deviating from a source material isn't always bad. Um, what what can get folks is when it's so radically away from the material that it sort of takes away from the spirit of what made it popular. Like, I I can't stand Ready Player One because it's such like it's its theme is such a deviant from the theme of the novel that it's not it's not even like it's the same in name. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, I've never read the novel, and I love the movie. I did want to say one last thing about The Mist and how deep this category is. It was started, this project, when I first put my draft together. It was number three. It ended up at number seven. So, All right. Well, let's get to Aesop's number seven, and then you can get to your number six. All right. My number seven is Drag Me to Hell. Okay. I Good had it on my list and pulled it off. The, the cursed genre of horror doesn't have the greatest track record, uh, in, in the last couple of decades, especially, but we got a good one here in Drag Me to Hell with a lone officer who evicts an elderly gypsy woman, gets cursed for doing her damn job, and goes about trying to save herself. Uh, there's some wonderfully memorable practical effect shots, like the barfing of maggots, which is just rings in my brain and some pretty cool creatures to boot on top of that. It's also got a great finish that just goes from zero to on hundred in a blink of an eye. I really enjoyed drag me to hell. And I believe that's a Sam Raimi film too. And was, you can uh, see it all Sam, over it. Right. That was Sam Raimi's return to horror. He had done the Spider-Man movies. He had just come off. He had come off of the flop that was Spider-Man three. And he, he went back to his roots and one of my favorite books uh, to read ever, um, if you want to learn about the techniques that, that he uses in his films, is Bruce Campbell's uh, first autobiography of Chins Could Kill. And the reason it's such a good book is because he spends an ex- 
exorbitant amount of time talking about the various tricks and techniques that they would use to make uh, Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2. Uh, and especially when it comes to like some of the zoom shots and the way he would like rapidly come in on something and and the way he would create this unsettling feeling in doing it. It's neat. And Bruce Campbell in this thing, like he describes what it what what Sam did. And then he actually, he had all those techniques are on full display in Drag Me to Hell. And you 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 made the point. You you feel for the this poor loan officer because she she made the decision because her boss threatened to fire her like she was she was gonna lose her job so she did her job and got burned for it and it sucked Uh, and and another thing that this movie does that i have talked about too is a lot of the horror comes during the day and when that happens nine times out of ten it's more frightening and uh, a better movie for it right it kept its promise too the movie says somebody's getting dragged to hell. <laughs> Damn Skippy, somebody got dragged to hell. All right, Dave, start us off on your number six. Uh, I'm going to guess this one is higher on Aesop's list because this is the one we specifically talked about in the chat, and it's let the right one in, the Swedish vampire romance horror whatever. Yes. Yep. <laughs> so high. <laughs> All right. Uh, to me, to number f- no, 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 no you had the yeah, seven. Stop. That's right. Uh, yeah. Uh, my number six, I don't, I would be shocked if any of you have it on your list, uh, is behind the mask, the rise of Leslie Vernon. And if you haven't heard of this movie, it's very fun. I actually bumped this bad boy up a couple hours ago. Cause originally I had it at seven. It's a wonderful mockumentary where, we, the viewer, get to watch a journalist and her crew document an aspiring serial killer trying to become the next big slasher in the world. Because rather than being fictional characters, uh, Jason, uh, Mike Myers, Freddy Krueger, these are all more like historical figures. They're canon to everyone's lives. And they make fun of all the standard horror movie tro- tropes, nail them in a similar style, similar to what Zombieland did with the book of rules, Vernon gives us a bullshit complicated urban legend story that as to how he became this thing with like the training and preparation one needs to become a serial killer only to realize like it doesn't really mean anything. It's more intelligent with twists involved, which seems to be a theme of mine, but you know, give this film a look because behind the mask is definitely a forgotten gem filled with cameos of legends in the industry and wonderful Easter eggs. It is so stacked with this. And it is a, a film that just did not get enough love. Yeah, I uh, I considered it. And again, just didn't quite make it for me anyway. Womp womp. <laughs> it sounds like definitely worth checking out, though. It's funny. It's good. So... My number six, Dave, it's time to talk about one of the more disturbing movies you can get out there and watch. Uh, some some horror movies you only need to watch once. Martyrs is is definitely in that category. Uh, there's, there's just shit you will you will unsee. You won't unsee. Uh, you know, I think the blindfolded woman uh, is, is probably one that quickly comes to mind. Blindfolded. The bl- <laughs> She's got that metal contraption over her head. 
Right. That last 10 minutes is just awful. Um, It's disturbing. (laughs) Right. And Dave, you talked about it. You you definitely don't feel good about the world after walking out. Like hostels got nothing on martyrs, in my opinion. And people that's terrifying. Yes. No, you got, I mean, we, you guys mentioned it earlier this decade, you know, the found footage stuff came to prominence, torture porn. I'm sure we're going to talk about the more recognized movie out of that genre. Um, none of them have anything on martyrs. And, and, and I do feel almost like we have a responsibility. We screw around on this show a lot. I will warn anybody who's listening to this oh, episode. Oh, it's as fuck. Yeah. Be very careful about if you decide to go down the rabbit hole of watching this movie because it is disturbing and not easy to watch. This is a this is a movie with psychological torture, physical torture, sexual abuse. It is it is depraved to no end. And yet you can't like once you start it, you can't look away. Like you can't. Like you just you watch it and you're like, oh, yeah. Oh my god! Oh, and then you just stay with it, and then when like the the last ten minutes come, you're like, my god, man! Um, intense, it's, disorienting, it's unsettling, upsetting, polarizing, and, and intelligent. On top of that, it is it, it's just like it, one of those movies that left, you definitely see once. Very, it left me feeling very similarly to how I felt at the end of audition. Like I walked out of audition and I was like, the fuck did I just see? Yeah, and and to top it off, this person you never know the who the hell is this organization who's doing this. You kind of get an idea as to why, but then when this gal gets what she's looking for, she gets the answer. It's too much for her and she kills herself rather than share it with everybody else who's so eagerly anticipating what did this person see on the other side? It's fucked with a capital F and, and, but, but it is, it is so disturbing and going back to the whole thing about you want to be unsettled. You want something that makes you think at the end of everything. What did I just see? And why, uh, probably no other movie on any of our lists is going to top this one. It is, it, it, it is, if you're a real horror fan, you have to watch it at least once and then decide whether you ever want to go back to it. But it's, it's tremendous. I- Last note on this, because, you know, I think so many people talk about horror um, from this decade coming from Asia, you know, Japan, Thailand, Vietnam, Korea. European horror was just as healthy. And don't don't fuck with the French. That's all I'll say. Uh, Ray, you're number six before we head into a commercial break. You want me to follow that? Like, word? Good luck. I, I, well, I'm going to follow it, I guess, with something that made a lot of money, huh? Um, yeah. You know, it's a great horror movie, but it doesn't fucking compare to something that scares the living shit out of you, but okay. Uh, number six, The Ring. Oh. Higher well, commercials, mind. everybody. True true story. I left, that's the one I left off my list. Figured really? All right. Have it on their list. Because... And and Ray did. I didn't. When you said you took one off, Dave, I thought it was. It was I was going to be the ring. So no, All actually, right. the opposite. There you go. All right. So when we come back, we will get into our, our number five. Ray, you will get a chance to speak again. Congratulations. Yes. Uh, this is yeah. This has been going very very well. Um, 
and hopefully I'll get to talk a little bit more too, as <laughs> my selections are going to be higher on someone else's list. Uh, you are listening to the Op Project here on Bandwagon Nerds, a part of the Chairshot Radio Network on thechairshot.com. Why should you visit thechairshot.com? Thechairshot.com is your home for hard-hitting reviews, news, opinion, and analysis with attitude. Why? Because you're smarter than the average fan. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. Okay, we are back. We are humming right along, just uh, you know, right on schedule from where we are with a with a project. We're into our final five. Ray, start the home stretch with your fifth pick. My number five movie is a movie that I look back on fondly, not because. You know, the movie made me feel good about myself, but because it ticked all the boxes of a movie that I wouldn't wanted to see. And I remember exactly where I was when I watched it. It's Cloverfield. I love Cloverfield. I am a big fan of the found footage genre. I think it went a little too far at a certain point. But I think the beauty of what this did, as opposed to Blair Witch, is it didn't try to pretend that this was real. Right. Blair Witch the reason it was so good was because they pulled the wool over our eyes making us think that this shit really happened. We know this is a movie. And um, I think it's so well done. And I think it's so, they, I can't, who's the director for Cloverfield? He's a big time director. I know he's a big director. JJ. JJ. He's involved. I don't know if he, was he a producer though? I don't know if he was a director. He was a producer of the first one, but he directed uh, one of the other ones. Here. Hold on. Cloverfield. Was directed Shout out to Batman. Okay. Yeah. Um. Uh. But I love how much like Shyamalan brought back together the whole Unbreakable universe. How they've made this one movie into three separate movies now, all in different portions with varying levels of connectivity. But this movie in particular, what I love about it is the monsters inconsequential. You barely, you very, you barely see the monster in 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 a actual good shot of this is dangerous. It's all about the fear of what's going around. It's about the fear of New York City essentially falling to its 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 knees, right? And um, mi- that mixed with the unreliable narrator of the the character of the the cameraman It's just a fantastic movie to me. I love it. It, it it's enjoyable. This is one of the few horror movies you'll ever watch that's fun. It's a fun horror movie. And you don't feel good at the end of it because, you know, nobody survived. But it's fun as you go through it. And you're screaming at the TV, as black people are one to do in horror movies, that the fool goes back to Manhattan or wherever it is to go get his girl. Which, it, But, yeah, it's it's a fun movie. It's some love in it. It's some comedy in it. Because uh, TJ, whatever his name is, is in it. But, yes, it is such a fun movie to watch. And I think it's so important to the genre to continue to diversify what horror is. And so, yeah, I'm with it's it. got one of my favorite kills of all time. And that when that uh, that woman gets scratched by the bug and then eventually just like behind the curtain explosion, it's just <laughs> badass. And I love that chick, too, in that <laughs> in that movie. But uh, I, that one that. Cloverfield is so weird uh, because, yep. like you said, it's three different horror films 
You know, the second one, what is it? One, two Cloverfield Lane or ten, something like that? Ten Cloverfield Lane. Ten Clo- and John yeah. Goodman murdered that role, yep. by the way. But, but that one's like psychological horror. And this, that uh, the Cloverfield Paradox is the, you know, the sci-fi it. horror. Yeah, like yeah, it's yeah. All, t- all over the damn place. Yeah. Um, and it's great. It's one of those movies that every time I watch it, I catch something different. Like, like the very end, I never really noticed until just recently that thing diving into the water at the where they're yeah. like filming at where are they Coney Island or something like that, and, and you see and yep. you figure, okay, that's where it all starts. But you know, it's very it's no, subtle. You don't, you don't up on it, yeah. yeah. It's it's a very well done movie, uh, and shows what found footage can do. So I won't be surprised if this number five is higher on other people's lists. Um, because it seems to be the way my list is going today. Uh, my number five is 28 Days Later. It no. Just the list. This just. is the so one. I, this is the one, Pat, that I left off. So you let you thought this was more mainstream than The Ring? Uh, no, no. That that okay. I'm that's something else I'm thinking about. But this is one of the okay. ones that was in the top 15. I yeah, hoping, I was hoping later. was on. So I, I For don't sure. like fast. I don't like fast zombies. Uh, as as a as a rule. I forgive this one because they they explain why they're fast in such a great way, um, because it's this uh, this infection, this virus, this pure rage thing that literally burns people out uh, as they as they go through and you know just destroy everything in sight. It's another one of those. I wish that they had stuck with the original ending, because if there's something that's fascinating out there, Dave, you talk about things leaving you feeling kind of bleak. There are they they toyed with multiple movies or they they toyed with multiple endings with that um with that film there was one where cillian murphy literally sacrifices himself to save the dad there's a version where he dies and only the daughter and the woman that that gets rescued survive um and so it was just it's just fascinating and it was just done in such a way and it you know, anybody who watched The Walking Dead was like, oh, they channeled 28 Days Later for the opening moments of that season with a guy waking up in a hospital bed. Everything's falling the fuck apart. He has no idea what's going on. He walks into a church where there happens to be a surviving priest that is infected that attacks him. He survives and luckily happens upon someone who knows what's up and we're off and running. And it doesn't stop uh, until we get to the end. So love it. And the, again, the depravity of man on full display in that household by the military military. Uh, that's it's being about the zombies at that point. We do it a lot in my, uh, in my improv stuff. You don't have to start at the beginning of something, right? And arguably that's more powerful to be able to jump right in the middle and you kind of explain along the way what is this issue is. And especially with that, like, you know, right off the bat, we don't need to know how this, this virus, uh, you know, guy, silly Murphy living his, his normal life, cooking eggs and shit like that. You, which you see far too many times, um, uh, Dawn of the dead in, in that same, uh, same decade does that the, the woman is just cooking around. And then all of a sudden zombies just pop out of nowhere. Like the fuck? No. Uh, you know, start right in the middle like that, and it's great. Cillian Murphy also kills that role. Oh, he's a terrific. I mean, he's a terrific actor as it is. Um, but he was that was my introduction to the guy. Mm-hmm. 
I think for a lot of people it was. So that's my number five. Uh, Aesop, to you. Yeah, my number five uh, is Trick or Treat. And uh, I, I said it before when we were talking about The Boys Diabolical. I love anthology and I love anthology horror, whether it be Tales from the Hood, The Crypt, or even the more recent edition in the Mortuary, Mortuary Collection. Uh, sometimes you have a great idea for a horror tale that just can't be stretched out enough for a full-length movie. And Trick or Treat gives us that. An anthology horror film centered around the holiday of Halloween. The lighting in this movie is so good, filled with a mixture of oranges and reds, only to swap it out for some deep blues to just change the tone up. And I don't think there is a better icon of the 2000s horror genre than Sam. Sam is easily the best, the adorable scarecrow boy. It's got a huge cult following and one that right, rightfully deserves it. Right. Absolutely. Love that film. Brian Cox is in that movie. Love him. Anna Paquin is in that movie. And the twist Just being rogue, by the way, she's she's 100% rogue in that movie. Well, but they turn it. And, and that's the thing is like, you know, a good twist can work really, really well. And, and she, you know, it's like telling this typical virginal little red riding hood story. And, you, you know, you've already been established because the stories while they're anthologies are also all connected um within this same town and some of the characters overlap and one of the characters that is victorious in one of the stories then gets his comeuppance through the Anapaqua story. It's so it's so good in the way it's woven yes. together. Um and it's fun. Like this is one of those like it's a fun horror movie. Yeah, it's um it was lower on my list, but it, it's it's clever. You know, I, I love horror movies that are clever in their approach. And this one because it's it's got elements of creep show mixed in with elements of pulp fiction as far as the chronology is concerned. And so <laughs> everything's interconnected and and it's spaced out a little bit differently where you're catching oh okay now I get where that comes in and that plays in here especially like at the stuff at the very beginning is now brought in at the end. And and yeah, like you call, called it Aesop. Sam is just uh one of these icons of the decade that you know, it's like it's like you look at him it's like oh it's Sackboy from Little Big Planet but a much more vicious, diabolical version of that. And he still has a level of innocence to him that makes yeah, him charming. Yeah, I'm okay with being killed by him. Yeah. Like, I would not be upset. <laughs> yeah. Great call, man. So to me, Dave, so I haven't heard it yet. I'm guessing it's still higher on somebody's list, and it's uh, the Spanish kind of found footage film wreck. Oh, number five. Yep, sorry, one more. Okay. So we, right, will, uh, we will go to my number four. At the beginning of this, I talked about like werewolf movies are kind of hit and miss as far as ones that are really good and ones that aren't so great. Um, Haunted House and ghost story movies are kind of the same. So my number four is The Others. Ah, no one else has got it. You guys have talked about twists at the beginning of this and, and a really good twist on stuff. This one has a great twist at the end where you don't real. I mean the whole way you're watching it you're thinking six senses in the back of your mind okay some of these are ghosts some of these people are dead you don't realize until the end that this is really being told from the standpoint of the ghosts and the things that you think are supernatural paranormal are actually people in the living world um nicole kidman absolutely crushes this role i mean one of her best performances i know tunny loves her in eyes wide shut but this is her, i think a much better role that she does it's it's really well done 
it's really well crafted. There's some great acting. And yeah, the twist at the end where you realize this is all being told from the ghost point of view. And I, I way to ruin it, Dave. Sorry, this is not spoiler free, <laughs> uh, but it's, it's a very difficult movie to find now. If you actually want to go tr- back to try and watch it. Cause I wanted to rewatch it. Um, I had to watch a version in on YouTube with Spanish subtitles, but that's okay. But it's, it's, it's there for free. I highly recommend this one. This one really was was well done. I greatly enjoyed it. Good ghost story. Good haunted house movie. Um, that against- one, that movie is the epitome of spooky, right? It's not necessarily terrifying. It's not creepy, but it is spooky. And that uh, Nicole Kidman does do a fantastic job. It, it's got kind of the similar feeling to like the sixth sense did right where you're kind of playing it up like all oh, these ghosts bleh, the whole time and then that that twist right at the end is kind of a whoa and it just brings you like takes you away only to bring you right back in to the movie exactly yeah, excellent excellent choice uh but you, you know you just can't include everything so aesop you're number four we're finally here i have wreck at number four the 2000s, like we said, was a big start of the international horror uprise. Uh, I know like Ringu is right there in like 99, but Jew on the Grudge is another one, uh, which led to some great American remakes and some not so great American remakes. Uh, Wreck is the Spanish found footage following that television crew uh, that goes with a group of emergency workers into an apartment building where all types of shit has gone down. Uh, and it got that American remake with Quarantine that just does not do it justice. The whole Rex series bleeds into some really creepy shit. Uh, and this takes the found footage beginnings uh, in something like the Blair Witch Project and gives it so much more tension and edge throughout. People need to start recognizing this international game soon uh, uh, if they haven't already because... It's only gotten better as the years have gone on. Right. Oh, yeah, absolutely. One thousand percent. And that's the thing is you, you I remember I saw I saw quarantine before I saw Rack. Yes. And it was one of those where it's like, oh, well, if you like this, you should really check out the, the original. And it's the same thing with another movie higher on my list. Like American version came out and people were like, no, it doesn't hold a candle to to what the source material. And so. I went back and watched Wreck and was like, yup. Well, and they, one of the main things in uh, differences wise is the, the ending, right? right. The, they, they get rid of the, the spiritual and supernatural in quarantine. And that is such a key part of Wreck. And uh, it, you lose so much of that tension. And I felt that even though I watched um, quarantine first, it is almost shot for shot remake, like so much. And the mood is different in wreck. I was scared, even though I knew what was coming up next. Yeah. Like, I think like you're saying, like the supernatural element at the end of wreck is, is what puts it over the top for me, because you're really not sure what exactly are we dealing with? Cause up till then you think, Oh, it's another zombie kind of movie. That's really, really, really intense. And then at the end, they start, they go into that penthouse, which is supposed to be abandoned. And you realize it's anything but. 
And you know when oh, that, that guy figure, goes with, that lurker. Yeah, when that thing goes when the guy goes up in the attic, you know it's like that's a dumb fucking move, man. And you just <laughs> and you just kind of you just kind of know what's going to happen and then this wraith-like being that you're really not sure, okay, have they is there some possession gene that they've isolated? What the hell is going on? And you never get a really good answer, and that's what makes it over the top for me is just like I really don't know what happened and I don't care because that was just awesome. Well, there's three sequels. It's, Feel free to watch them. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure it's, it's explained. Okay. If you didn't want to be spoiled, don't forget that this is spoiler-free, and Dave completely spoiled the movie. Notice how we, we all kind of like talked in like mystery. Dave's like, no, fuck it. There's a rage. <laughs> I'm going to tell you all how it went down. Now you all know. Way to go, Dave. I'm here for I'm you kidding. guys. I'm here I, for you guys. <laughs> I'm, I'm preparing to be skipped again as we head into my number four. It's the descent. I'm assuming it's higher. Yep. I didn't even didn't even worry about that one. Ray, uh, uh, you didn't raise your hand. I'll, you didn't didn't make your list. The descent. Did, the, the descent did not make my list, but it was on my honorable mentions. Yes. All right. Well, what's your number four, buddy? <laughs> Orphan. Okay. Um. There you have did, sir. I know I had it on there. I just couldn't remember. I thought somebody else had it on there. I too. did too. That was my eight. Our, Oh, I see. I see. Go for it, Ray. Sorry. We uh, no. By all means, we've talked a lot about twists. This is one hell of a damn twist. I yeah, man. When she, it wasn't even just the makeup. When she popped the fucking veneers out of her mouth, I was like, oh my god, this is took some work in. Spoiler um, free, Ray. Damn it. Yeah, Dave. I mean, Ray. <laughs> a bad. Uh, well, so if <laughs> no. if if you want to see a fantastic movie about a family. Adopting a much maligned, kind of ne'er do well yet sweethearted little child. Then go watch Orphan, and then how let me out you've seen this so I can tell you. Man, he got the closed posture shit. You see that? Like he folded his arms over his chest and leaned <laughs> back. Come on. Here's the thing. I remember going into this movie being like, "Yay, it's a remake of The Good Son." Mm. Like, oh, this except this time it's a girl. And then again, like the big reveal happens, you're like, whoa, my God. Credit credit to Isabel Furman. Yes. She does a fantastic job playing the titular char- uh, character. And yes. back that up with Peter Sarsgaard and Vera Farmiga. It's a yeah, solid totally. cast at the top. And, you know, twist endings, right? Holy shit. This one caught me off guard. It's clearly caught everyone off guard. And it's really the whole reason to watch the movie. Yep. Right. It's it all builds to that big twist moment. So excellent choice. Obviously, it was on multiple lists, Ray. And it's still your turn. Number three. Uh, my number three may be my favorite movie on this list because I am. We've talked a bit about torture porn and I am the biggest proponent for this genre of, of movies and this um, this kind of grouping of movies. Number three is Saw. My number three um is Battle Royal, Battle Royale, if you will, made in 2000. See some skeptical faces. People always say it's a, a ripoff or that the Hunger Games was a ripoff of Battle Royale. I thoroughly disagree with that sentiment. I think that the only thing that is similar is that children are forced to fight each other um, to survive. 
it's to me it's just one of those it's such a visceral like lord of the flies sort of thing so you're follow this class this is a japanese film you're following this class of students and they're like the worst of the worst behaved children and this takes place in the future and they're all teenagers they're horrible to their teacher they're horrible to everyone they get told they're going on this big field trip and it's almost treated like they're being rewarded and they end up in this classroom and they're putting they're sat down and they're told under no uncertain terms that they will be set upon this island and forced to eliminate one another under penalty of death, uh, which is already on there anyway. And if they try to resist, these collars that they are forced to war, uh, wear will kill them. Uh, and then, of course, somebody tests it and they are dead. Um and it just turns into anarchy from there. And it's it's the whole gamut. You've got, like, some of the hardcore kids who are just all for it and start to become, like, hardened killers. You've got the ones that don't survive because, you know, like, there's, of course, like, the out-of-shape kid who can't escape. There's the lucky kid who survives barely. And and at the end, you get these two that, that sort of survive and ended up on the run. But it's just – I think for me the reason it's so good and so unsettling is because it's, it's kids – um, much like in a, in a Lord of the Fly sort of thing, and, and has always been this big social experiment about, you know, what happens when you kind of just let chaos reign, and it does, and, and it turns into a lot of brutal deaths, a lot of um, just unsettling moments. And for like, I, I I watch it every now and again. It's it's weird. It doesn't leave me like martyrs, where I'm like so disturbed I couldn't go back. And it's a little bit of social commentary. So Battle Royale ended up being my number three. Battle Royale, it's weird for me because I don't view Battle Royale as a horror film. And I I, I know it gets labeled as that. And I, when I saw, you know, looking through the potential list of things I could pick, I, I wondered if there was anyone that was going to put it on there. And I tried to kind of, you know, put it in in my head as like a horror film because it's a fun movie. It's so fun to watch. And uh, I figured if there was anyone that was that was going to do that, though, it was going to be you, Patrick. So I'm happy to have seen the representation in there. Um, yeah, I, I, it's a fun movie to watch. Uh, what's his uh, the the gym teacher is such yeah. a good asshole in that movie. And he turns on uh, at the at the drop of a hat. And it's so good. And he just continues to kind of build throughout the rest of that movie, too, until, you know, obvious comeuppance. Um, yeah. Right. It, but to but, me, it, it's it's feels like so much more of an action drama at the same time. Kind of. But the brutality of it all is really what what gets me. And like I said, with kids, it's like brutality with children is is the thing that that really gets me and why I pushed it over into the horror genre. The other thing is is uh, that I, I find fascinating is these kids are not good kids, right? Like, so it's this weird, like these, these children are terrible to each other, to authority. They they don't take it seriously at first. It's it's interesting. It's a fascinating watch. So anyway. There you go. That's that's uh, my number three, and we'll we'll shift on over to your number three, Aesop. Where are yeah. we? Yeah, my got? number three is uh, Slither. Hmm. Nice. And I'm so happy to have two horror comedies in my top ten, and Slither was one I was debating on putting in my sci-fi list from a couple weeks ago, but the, it really has some like uncomfortable moments, like 
too many of them. It's a great cast. Nathan Fillion, Elizabeth Banks, Michael Rooker, and then partner them up with the writer-director, James Gunn. And you get this story of a small town just being taken over by an alien parasite. It's insanely grotesque. It's charming on top of that. And I laughed a lot throughout uh, the whole movie and get the heebie-jeebies on top of that. Horror films are probably some of the worst when it comes to flying under the radar because fans tend to just go back to what they know and uh, not not to try anything new, you know, like the Friday the 13th, the Halloweens, the uh, Nightmare on Elm Streets, and they end up missing out on films like Slither. Great point. I, I remember when the movie came out. I don't remember watching it. I know I have seen it, but I also have a very terrible memory. Um, Fair. So, yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, uh, but... I I remember seeing the cast and I remember it being a big deal when it came out. And uh, was this the first in the Rooker collaboration? I don't know how that happened. Yeah, you were away from the Your computers. Computers haunted, man. There you go. Yeah, way to go. Way to do it on the horror list. I think I think my headset actually syncs with the uh, with the mouse, and so. Lesson learned there, but I may try. That's go with fine. go with ghosts, man. <laughs> I yeah. am utterly terrified. It is the horror list. So I'm sorry. You were talking about Slither when I had to run away for a moment. So I apologize. Are we still on Slither? Have we moved on to Dave's number three? Uh, we were kind of wrapping up Slither, but just how fun and charming it is on top of being disturbing and gross. Yes. I'm going to guess my number three is either here with you guys at number three or higher. And that is the descent. It's higher. So is it to me to number two? Yep. It is to you for your number two. So number two, I don't know if this is on anybody else's list. We're running out of time, but this is probably the one that I've seen more than any other one. And uh, it's the original final destination. Oh, Ray's got it higher. There you go. You know where that is then. Uh, so that means it's Aesop. It's your number two. Yeah, my my number two is The Descent because ah, this movie makes me feel all types of uncomfortable, tight yep. spaces, and yep. that claustrophobic feeling are just the worst. And The Descent does it the best. Uh, that group of girls take that ladies' trip to go spelunking in an unexplored cavern. Why? That's already type, all types of stupid. They get trapped and then have to escape while fighting off some gnarly blind trolls, creatures. I don't know. And t- to be fair, I go with the British, the European version of this because right. the Americanized version gives it a happy ending and fuck them. Uh, this movie makes me feel uncomfortable the minute they start rummaging around the cave And having that underground chamber become a secondary antagonist makes for a compelling struggle as well. I think one of the things I love the most about this movie is that, to me, you know, the claustrophobia and the creatures are, are, they're they're important, but they're almost secondary to the actual story and the relationship between the women that are fractured because one of them is horrible. It's just a horrible person and it's taking them on this trip to like assuage their own, 
guilt and uh, oh, it's it's horrible. Take it a step further. She lies to them and makes them think they're going to some yes. like Disneyland ca- cave system, and then it's really <laughs> completely unexplored. Well, it's on top terrible. of that, they're they're all terrible to each other. Not <laughs> just it's not just the one uh, outside of the main uh, protagonist. She's like the only one that's an innocent bystander in the situation. All the other girls are just assholes to each other. Right. They're terrible. And and that's the thing that I, I it's it's interesting. When horror can be horrific and yet it's the humans that are still worse than the creatures, like that's that's not I mean, that's usually what horror See the mist is. Yeah. yeah. The mist is the same exact same sort of deal. And so, the whole thing starts yeah. because like the one girl was fucking the other girl's husband before they all get killed in a car. And then that realization right. at the end where she figures it all out. And I mean, yep. it's so great because you got an all female cast and at the very end, Juno, which is the main one. And then uh, Sarah, I think just blood covered, just badassery at the end of this whole thing. It, 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 it checks all the boxes. I don't know if I call it a happy ending, but it's oh, <laughs> Dude, not, not the European yeah, version. The American version. You escape. European version, no escape. You die. It's all in your head. Thanks for playing. Sweet. Excellent. Excellent number two. Uh, that brings it to my number two. And since you didn't say it in yours, Aesop, um, we're going to skip me because I have let the right one in as my number two, which means it's your number one, which means we're to raise number two. I think this is the, uh, with respect to Blair Witch, the best found footage style movie ever, Paranormal Activity. I forgot that came out in this decade. This is one I this is one I left off hoping somebody else would put it on. Thank you, Ray. Yeah, you are welcome. I think Rack uh, has a good uh, good fight yeah, for that title. Not, it, I've never seen it, so I will gladly watch it, and then I'll get back with you with the retort. With fair? the retort, that's fair. Because no, you might be right. I, look, I have no problem saying I'm wrong. You might be right. I've just never seen can it. I, can I? Can I? Can I speak on behalf of why I like the paranormal activity found footage? Angle over wreck. Yeah, all yours. Wreck, I don't understand why you don't drop the camera at some point. Mm. For a lot of the found footage outside of dumbass boyfriend, which is my big problem with paranormal activity, is the boyfriend willfully is just stupid. Mm. In like this shit's going on and he's like no 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 let's keep going let's keep going like let's get a Ouija board like what the fuck are you doing? Uh, but <laughs> security, the security camera stuff around the house, those are the bits that I love and actually think that they did a better job with it in Paranormal Activity 2, mm. where it's purely the the footage is, is purely around the house and not somebody walking around with their camcorder recording folks. But anyway, go ahead, Ray, because I saw it in the theater. I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. I like it. Yeah, no, we don't have to talk much about it because that's basically what I was gonna say. I just think it's a. Oh, I mean, it's it's, it's, it's a, it, no, no. By all means, it's I, and plus I know we're we're coming close to the time. I just think it's a very clever way to expand a genre that was still fairly new in the major populace, but also to um, the one thing that the one there's one line in the Sixth Sense that that reminds me of this movie, and it's that movie when uh, Haley Joe Osment says, "You know when you feel." the hairs in the neck, back of your neck standing up, that's them. That makes me think of paranormal activity because all of us hear things in the night. All of us hear things in a house if you have an old house or a new house or you feel something that's weird in your house, even if you're not a person that believes in ghosts or the occult or things of that nature. 
paranormal activity plays on this perfectly because like for so long for so much of it they're like this can't be real this is just there's no way this shit is not fucking ghosts and then you see the bitch get pulled out the bed and shit and you're like okay yeah get time to get the house so um it, it, it had that same that same um type of advertisement too that blair witch did in that it was a true story that this was actual found footage and it did it well because the, the even I did at the you know what I was in high school at the time, g- going, oh maybe I don't know <laughs> you know right and uh, it it has some very creepy shots the oh. the baby powder scene I I especially love the Ouija board like bursting Take into flames yeah yeah it's so fun it is a great uh, a great film for sure. And and credit to it because Paranormal Activity and another movie that is so disappointing that I don't ever, ever want to mention it again, but White Noise. Those two movies are the only times I've ever seen a commercial that scared the shit out of me. Like mm-hmm. the trailer and the commercials. Like White Noise, the commercials for White Noise will come out at two in the fucking morning when you have sleep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you can see it. <laughs> so like those are the only two movies I ever remember seeing trailers and movies and commercials. That scared me, which is why you had to go see Paranormal Activity. So, shout out to them. And it's my number one, right? It is. It's your number one. Shout out to Dave. Uh, uh, Found Destination. I think, forgive me for being hyperbolic, but I'm one I'm known to be. With respect to the greats, the, the Voorheeses and the um, Myers and the Krugers, I think Found Destination is the greatest idea and of a horror movie ever put together. And I say that because Final Destination, while it's completely fantastical, ha- is rooted in reality. If you meant to die, you're going to fucking die. There is, there is no way there can be a real-life Freddy Krueger in terms of attacking your dreams, or Jason Voorhees and Michael Myers, who are just these plotters who can never be killed. That shit ain't real. You can slip in the fucking bathroom and get choked by, the you know, some flaws that this is real, right? And so, beautifully put, the, it, it, I just think it's a, such a clever movie in the sense of death is always watching. Because it is. We joke all the time that anybody can die by anything. The end of the movie, when the dude gets hit by the bus and you're just like, well, yeah, I guess that could happen, right? There's not, and I know it gets crazier and crazier as the movies go on, but there's not one death in that, in this first epi- in that first movie that you can say Nah, in a way. Every one of you be like, yeah, maybe. And that's what makes it scarier to me. I, I do love the the unique, fun, and creative ways to die yep. in, in Final Destination. I also love that Tony Todd has, has a role in this movie as well. Like, the Mortuary. The first two, right? Right. Yep. Uh, and I do believe it's the sequel that has forever made people leery of driving behind a truck full of logs. So <laughs> yes, every day. And, and that's yes. the, it's the thing is like, it's like the fast and the furious of horror movies to, to be honest, like mm. we just want to see how much more we can dial up the deaths in, in each one. Right. And fast and furious is like, how much more can we dial up the car stunts? Like what more ridiculous shit can we put together and make it look incidental or or what have you and i loved i loved final destination i went and saw it at the theater like yeah. I, I thought it was great i thought it was a lot Devin of sour dude like 
Talk I about love the quintessential nineties and two thousands actor, right? Right, exactly. And they do it. They do it so. Uh, they give it so much justice by having the final, final destination uh, be a prequel, and with that little twist at the end, right there, um, just has this like this death loop sequence going on that is very, so, very uh, fun. And around, it's circular, happy, circular. Feel the flow. The best thing about this movie is how they turn death, the concept of death, into a character without it actually being a physical character because that's really what the movie is about. It, it's it's death is ever present and, and there you never see it, but it, it's, and it's, you know, what's funny. He's not a bad guy. No. He has a similar, similar just, feeling to drag me to hell. He's just doing his goddamn job. That's people. right. And, that, and, that, and that's kill you. Oh, you guys so, got smart and got off the plane. I need to fix it. Yeah, that. and you missed you and you missed your turn. So when your number's up, your number's up. All right, my number one, Ray, you mentioned it earlier. Uh, you called it torture porn. I I kind of call it torture porn, but the original saw is and, not it's not torture porn. The rest of them are, but the first one is not. So so here's my thing about and this is my thing about you you mentioned some great horror franchises out there, and the Saw franchise has clearly been bankable for a long, long time. A lot of original films for franchises on their own are terrific films and terrific horror films like Halloween, the original Friday the 13th, the original Nightmare on Elm Street, just to name a few. The Howling was a franchise all on its own. Saw was another one of those. And you look at, you just look at how the cast changed as more sequels came along. Like in, in the first movie, you got Danny Glover, and Carrie Elways, and Carrie Elways comes back later, and I think Chris Rock eventually gets involved in this franchise uh, mm-hmm. later on. But the original movie itself, like the concept of uh, a serial killer who devises these brutal methods of killing you, but also gives you a chance to survive. Yep, and is. I love it, and and, it, and is a killer who has absolutely nothing to lose because he's dying, and, and again has a twist in a moment that just like it's horrifying. Like as as Carrie always cuts off, hacks off his own arm or whatever. I can't even remember foot. Hacks off his, his foot, foot yeah. to to get away and try to get help with his you know self made tourniquet. And as he leaves the room, the body that's been sitting there this whole time rises up and you're just like, oh, Jesus Christ. Now, it's a ridiculous setup, but oh, Jesus Christ. Um, I I love it. And I, I love the cat and mouse tension of it. It almost feels more like a thriller than a horror movie. Uh, and yet there's something horrific about it. And everybody talked about Saw. Everybody talked about Saw in the way that they talked about The Ring, which is the movie that I left off my list that nobody has mentioned. Um, I, I mentioned it. Hold that thought, oh. guys. Hold that thought. Dave has it as number one. So, But it was I, – I, I thought it was brilliant, and it was I, – my jaw dropped. I loved it. So uh, that, Also, that's sympathy. Funny. It's a very sympathetic bad guy right. you know, the entire time, and at – especially later on you don't you don't look at him as a bad guy by any stretch of the imagination um 
Uh, Saw is, is very fun too. And, and similar to that, uh, the final destination that Ray mentioned earlier, it, it has that sort of Rube Goldberg kind of setup to it all. That like, how did this tr- happen? Like these connecting points that it worked mm-hmm. out so well in that way. <laughs> but um, it, it is clearly a bankable product that. You know, you're trying to revive with Chris Rock and Jigsaw or uh, sorry, Spiral. And, you know, well, whether or not we get more in the in the future, I I would bet pretty much my house that you're going to get at least five more of these damn things. And with more and more intricate processes of, you know, kills, it's going to be great. Let me say this first. There's something you said, Patrick, that I have qualms with. And is that you called Jigsaw a serial killer. And Jigsaw, the original Jigsaw, I think you can really argue it has never killed anybody. It's all the underlings that have killed him. Because like you said, every single one of the traps that Jigsaw made, you had a way to get out of it. Right. The whole point was not to kill you. It was to make you appreciate life. Which is, I think, the most underrated and under... um, under talked about part of these movies is that what that man went through gave him another way of looking at life and that he's really trying to now while in a very vicious and and (laughs) illegal way teach people who have done really horrible things how to appreciate their livelihoods and 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 what they've gone through and who they are now and they have to make a massive sacrifice like he did Excellent point, Ray. Ray sacrificed the rest of that. To... Ray, Ray sacrificed the rest of his thought and froze it out. That is crazy how that timed out that way. <laughs> Weird. I, I like, saw in Paranormal Activity are the two movies that I deliberately left off figuring you guys were going to talk about them. But yeah, everything you guys say is completely 100, 1,000% accurate about how great that movie was. The goddamn awesome. ghost. Where, right, well, so we can hear you. We just your cameras jacked. Um, oh no, Skype completely closed. The ghosts are are after us today. We need to end the show now. Okay. Well, we still got two more number ones to get through. <laughs> this haunted podcast will be yes. over. Yes. You mentioned four. my number one so many damn times. It's let the right one in, and I may have given this away to the bandwagon earlier this week, uh, as I encouraged every last one of you to watch. Let the right one in. Another foreign film, this time from Sweden. This is such a beautiful movie centering around a young 12-year-old boy named Oscar who's that social outcast, so you're you're already feeling for him. And then befriends and grows to have, you know, even deeper feelings for Ellie, uh, who initially, unbeknownst to Oscar, is a, you know, a young vampire. Uh, Ellie gives oscar the strength to stick up for himself and fight back against the bullies of the world and it's sinister but gorgeous it's a fresh take on the vampire genre that really has an issue with being cookie cutter at times and it actually got that american remake you know let me in that was also a pretty good film but you know the original is so powerful that it overshadows any replicants that swimming pool scene. That's that's all I need to say. That's yeah. all I'm 
tribute to this discussion is that swimming pool scene. And you know it's coming, too. You, you're, it's like, this yep. isn't going to end like this. Ellie's going to show up. And when she shows up, the consequences are dire, to say the least. And yeah, at, the, at the end of the whole thing, it is a beautiful movie. It is it, it, There's a sweet love story wrapped around this horrific element that makes it just so unique. And at the end, you do, I'm like thinking, they're on a train. She's got to be in the box. He's doing Morse code. Where are they going? Aesop, you got any ideas? Where are they going at the end of that thing? There, there is so much fandom on that. And to say that I know um, would be a damn lie. And to be honest, I kind of like leaving it open for someone that usually likes resolution. I am more than okay with leaving that open for let the right one in. I would argue that the horror genre in general is the best place to leave things open-ended. I a, a horror film where you don't know who, what, what, what happens next. That's sort of unsettling, and in, in in my opinion, uh, which is why the ghosts are probably taking over this podcast. <laughs> we don't Indeed. know what's going to happen no, we next. Do. Dave, we do. Talk to us about the ring because yeah. it sounds like. Your number one. Speaking of not knowing exactly where things go at the end, uh, this movie is we know tomorrow wins. Yeah, like, I mean it's not know. it's not as far as like intensity on any level close to martyrs, but the creep factor of this is off the charts for me because Samara rules the world. She's the Sid fucking justice of horror movies for this decade. She rules the world. I mean, every time that she shows up, the creep factor just ratchets up to a, an exponential matter i mean and, and they do such a great job with cinematography whenever she moves it's that jerky sort of thing that unsettles you and just the way that she comes out of the tv and i mean there there's so many things like the the scene in the well is the one that strikes me where naomi watts is trying to climb out of that well and samara's coming up there and her legs going like over her head as she climbs up there the after effect of her attacks, the two faces that you see, you don't unsee that at any time in your life. And it's just, it, it, and there's a clever kind of mystery wrapped around this whole thing as Naomi Watts goes to discover who Samara is and why did this happen. Um, I will also give a shout out to the video game franchise Fear, which has a Samara-like character in there where you're in like a well with her and and the lights go out and you know she's in front of you and you're just like, fuck it, I'm going to just start shooting and hope I hit something. Never realizing yourself, this is a cutscene. You're having literally no effect on this thing. But it's just, it, it is just the creepiest movie and, and it, it's just very cleverly done. It, it ha- it's it, just the one that kind of unsettled me as much as any of them. So yeah, The Ring's number one for me. If you need a shout out too, uh, Dead by Daylight just added Samara, more or less, uh, the Ringu character as a playable character. So uh, fun little shout out there as well. Uh, Dave, it, it is a very creepy movie that watching that entire video, do you kind of get the sense of like, oh, shit, that phone's going to ring any second now. <laughs> yeah, and and you're like, like God should damn I, be wa- I shouldn't be watching this. And, and then at the end, like, they, they, what they if just... I just close my eyes for three seconds. And right. then I, it, I've technically never seen the whole film. So now I'm not, uh, I'm not going to get it. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, and the theory at the end, we're just going to copy this and disseminate this and keep Samara busy with so many other people that she doesn't come after us or, 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 or almost a final well, destination element. 
they'll skip me and go to somebody else, you know? Yeah. But whole, that whole conceit turns into quite the, quite the trope of passing curses on. Like you see it in all kinds of films after this one. Like yes. even, um, shit, it's, it's eluding me. The one where it follows, it follows is literally the same idea as the rank pass this curse on to the next person. Yeah, Truth or Dare uh, does that Truth too. Dare was was well, yeah. one too. And even the kid asked his mom, "What happens to the person who watches this next?" And the mother never bothers to She's answer. Like, Not my problem. Yeah. Um, well, and the best part about that um, is the kid being the smartest person in the room. Aiden being like, "Why would you do that, you dumbass?" Like, like <laughs> I went and found Samara and I laid her to rest, and he's like, "She don't care about that. She doesn't want it." Like he's the one who knows. So, all right, that means for this week's Bandwagon Nerds poll, which we promise will last more than two days this time, we need to we'll stretch it for the week, and hopefully we get more than nine votes. Nine times? Nine times. Um, bandwagoners, get out there and vote. But we will have Saw, we will have The Ring, we will have Final Destination and Let the Right One In as the Bandwagon Nerds project poll for this week. Next week, and Tony, lower your microphone for this because you have a voice as well. Gentlemen, do we cover family films, which would include animation, or do we cover drama, which is like the Oscar hoity-toity shit? And I'd rather get it done in the middle of the art project as opposed to like avoiding it until the end and then not wanting to do it. Hmm. It's like after the intensity of this week, maybe we should dial it back. And go go to something much more fun well, and flowery. Schindler's List wasn't made in the '90s, so I can't put it in there. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's true. Uh, but Requiem for a Dream is so. Well, well I, yes. now why do you guys put my fucking list, man? <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> uh, tribute. So it sounds like we're doing family films. Get ready for Fern Gully 2000 ten times from Ray Cash. Awesome. Awesome. Cool. All right. Excellent. Excellent choice. Uh, that's going to do it for this week's edition of Bandwagoners. Before we get out of here, let's do our once around the table. Remind everybody where they can find you on the chair shot and in the social medias. Today, we will kick it off with uh, David Ungar. You take it off. You can find me on Twitter at Attitude Ag. That is at Attitude A-G-G and on Facebook.com slash Attitude of Aggression. All right. Clockwise on my screen will be Mr. PC Tunney. Uh, follow me at PC Tony on Twitter and Facebook. Please continue to listen to everything ChairShot Radio Network. You can find that on all your favorite streaming platforms by searching ChairShot Radio Network. And be sure to visit ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the ChairShot. Grab a ChairShot t-shirt. Get it in soft style. Your epidermis will thank you. It makes a great gift as well. You know, I totally forgot to do the commercial. Thank you for doing that. I got me. you back, Jack. Hey, Saw Mitchell. Sure, find me on Facebook, A-E-S-O-P, Mitchell. You can also find me uh, on the Twitters. Uh, I got two profiles of fun, uh, at Violent Aesop, also at Dave Incudahay. Uh, so please give a listen to Down the Wire as well. We love talking sports, and we love doing it as unprofessionally as possible. So please give us a listen. Uh, we're going to be doing a lot of more fun things in the future. And uh, hopefully our guests don't drop out uh, last second. Excellent. And Mr. Ray Cash. Don't follow me. I don't want y'all to follow me. 
<laughs> no, I'm at Israel Cash, R E Wise, Mysterio, C A S H S, and Dollars. Follow me, please. I thought you could have at least give it a burner account. I mean, I mean, there's always added at Fern Gully 2000, right, Ray? Well, no, at for today, it is please don't kill me, devil. There you go. Please don't kill me, devil. You can follow me at, on Twitter at Wrestling Real Estate. Is at W R E S T L N G R E A L I S T. Also, be sure to follow the Bandwagon Nerds podcast on Twitter at Bandwagon Nerds. Nothing special there. Like I said, we will be having a poll up on Monday when this podcast drops, allowing you to vote for your favorite of our favorites from the horror genre in the Hot Project. That is going to do it for this week's edition of Bandwagon Nerds. Now get yourself out of the basement, get some sun, and avoid Ouija boards because those things are cursed. Just like this podcast, you have been listening to Bandwagon Nerds on the ChairShot Radio Network, a part of the ChairShot.com. Cuticle lacerations from pulling at the wire. Pulling at the wire? 
If he was pulling at the wire, he wasn't trying to kill himself. It was an accident. In death, there are no accidents, no coincidences, no mishaps, and no escapes. What you have to realize is that we're all just a mouse that a cat has by the tail. Every single move we make, from the mundane to the monumental, the red light that we stop at or run, the people we have sex with or won't with us, the airplanes that we ride or walk out of, it's all part of death's sadistic design leading to the grave. Design? Does that mean if you figure out the design, you can cheat death? Alex, you've already done that by walking off the plane. Your friend's departure shows that death has a new design for all of you. Uh, you have to figure out how and when it's coming back at you. Play your hunch, Alex, if you think you can get away with it. But remember, the risk of cheating the plan, of disrespecting the design, could incite a fury that could terrorize even the Grim Reaper. And you don't even want to fuck with that Mac Daddy. Okay then, well, uh, yeah, uh, I'm sorry we broke in and... and... No harm. No foul. I'll see you soon.